Hey murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. So I got the question the other day if we're turning into a spooky haunted podcast. And I said, well, we always were going to incorporate that, <laughs> but like we definitely lean more true crime. So right. are you doing true crime today? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. So no hauntings. Good old fashioned true crime. <laughs> yeah. And all the rest of you haters. No, I'm kidding. Staying true. Staying true to true crime. Not that I didn't want to do a spooky story, but I knew that you were doing last week's story that was haunted, and then... And it is the season of thanks, so... Right. What? I don't know. Okay. 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 (laughs) So... (laughs) What? (laughs) What? So that, along with, we promised our Patreons that they would have the case priority right if you're in the murder lover exactly so this was one of the cases that was and wasn't it directed right at you yeah i think it was like hey fatina happy birthday bt dubs i was like ouch okay i don't exist (laughs) fine it was my birthday though it's a birthday message couldn't even get like a hey by the way how's 30 mackenzie (laughs) surviving not thriving thanks for asking As they come in, we're going to try and knock them out yeah. because I want you guys to feel appreciated because we do appreciate you. So this story was sent in by Kristen. She let me know where she let us know that this was hitting all kinds of marks. Yeah. It, it know, was like per- murder, poison, right. something or it, another. Mystery, multiple arrests. It, it, it hits a lot of marks. So, and it's kind of local when I started researching this, we were actually going in up into this area of Washington to pick up the puppy. And I was like, maybe I can roll by something. I won't, but I did it. But I was like, <laughs> maybe I can go look at some places because I'm just a weirdo, guys. Um, so this story takes place in Yakima, Yakima, Washington. And it starts off in, well, it starts in earlier, like 2008. This is the story of Vernon Holbrook, and he was a very well-loved realtor in the community. He was loved by his family, big family. He married later in life to a remarried, a woman that um, had two previous kids with another marriage. So he took in those two kids as his own. Both of the kids now in interviews say like completely they saw him as his dad. He was a very loving person. They called him dad. Even when their mom passed away, they still maintained a very father-son type relationship with him. And he was not only like a very well-known realtor, he was really successful at it. He was really good at it. He wanted to build that legacy for his kids, his family. (laughs) In earlier, like 2006, 2007, his kids, both his boys, were a little bit older and one of them in particular started working with him at the, at the, what do you call the, the house store? The realty store? What do you call it? The um, office? Yeah. They have an office. Yeah. yeah. So they started working with him in the office. The house the store? The house store? What do you, God. I am The housing guys. market? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. Leave it in, leave it in. I am. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's a fireball last night, let me tell you. Okay, Oh, I'm sorry. my God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, fireball shots with my, with my yeah. boss, my last boss. Give it, like, another it day was, or two. Whew. You'll be. 
It was like swallowing big red gum. It was... Uh, yeah, well, I'm, it just burns it. your insides. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving along. So, <laughs> his son, he... Why do I sound so weird? That's better. That is better. Okay, so his son was uh, working with him, and he wanted his son to take over. He was teaching his son the ropes, but eventually, uh, he didn't love the the job of being a realtor and he didn't want it to, he didn't want to necessarily take over the business. It was a big endeavor to take over what was already becoming a legacy just because he was so good. He was so prominent and he just, you know, was involved in a lot of um, business in that area in Yakima, Washington. So his son respectfully declined like, Hey dad, not for me. Thank you. I've been in the office with you for a while now. It's just not for me. So Vernon at that point had to find someone else that he could trust, that knew that would take over the business, do right by him, mm-hmm. and would continue on this legacy. So he met this uh, young man called Daniel Blizzard, and he really took, like, he was taking everything in, and he seemed really invested in learning everything about the business. He started as just someone in the office that was helping with some of the sales, but he quickly started trying to get more involved as far as like how to run the actual business and not just sell houses, but run the entire thing. So Vernon started teaching him everything and starting to trust this person like, oh, maybe I am going to, this might be the person that I can pass this on to. Yeah. So his name is Daniel Blizzard. He was, he was about 26 years old at the time. So he wasn't that old, Daniel Blizzard, and he was already taking on this big, big job. Vernon decides, yes, Daniel, I'm, I want to sell you my business and they have what's a, a handshake type of deal and they start the paperwork and because Daniel and I'm assuming his family was also helping him financially to take over this job mm-hmm. because a lot of the reports big say purchase. that it's a big, big purchase. So around 2008, unfortunately, if you know anything about like at least... Oh, U.S. Yeah, it was housing a bad year. market. It was a horrible year, but in early 2008 is when this deal was supposed to happen. And part of the deal of him purchasing or acquiring that business from Vernon was he asked Vernon to get a key man life policy. So a key man life policy is that whosoever name is on that business, it's life insurance on that person. So should something happen to the person, the key man of that business, the policy would pay out. So there was a life insurance policy for $1.58 million mm-hmm. on Vernon as part of the deal of them taking over the business. So if Vernon died, even though he doesn't own the business anymore. Well, he was still, because he was transitioning, Yeah, he would still be the key man in the whole business. Until does, okay. until the deal was complete and the oh, payment was done. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So that happened, and unfortunately, because of the house market crash in two thousand eight, Blizz, uh, Daniel Blizzard only made two installments of his payments of the business, which were six thousand dollars a month payments. Question. Do mm-hmm. they still have this kind of policy around? Yes. Like a key man. <laughs> yep. Seems like a really bad idea. Uh-huh. I'm just going to throw as it out there. As soon as I heard this, I was like, excuse me? Yeah, because it seems like a really good incentive for somebody uh-huh. to off to the other someone. person. Yeah. Absolutely. If your business is going bad. So they, so they, 
very quickly it went sour because Vernon was like, Are, you're not serious about getting this business, about buying this business because right. you've only made two payments and you are behind on your payments towards this business. Mm-hmm. And the there was also a $3,000 a month payment for the Key Man Life policy. So for some reason, Daniel continued to pay the life insurance, but not the payments for the business. Daniel pays that? Yeah. Even more reason to kill him. Right, exactly. And then Vernon even tried calling the insurance company and saying, hey, I want this policy canceled. They're defaulting on their actual business payments. And he even tried talking to Daniel and saying, hey, quit paying that policy. Put that towards the payment on the business and we'll work something out, but at least I know you're paying towards acquiring the business. Mm-hmm. And it just, things went south, obviously, very quickly, only two months into this business deal. Yeah. So Vernon pulled out and was like, hey, I'm going to, we're going to back out of this. We're going to, we're going to terminate this deal. You're not going to buy this business from me anymore. He started the process of taking back again the business and putting it in his name. Like, I'll figure it out as I go, but you're not going to be buying this from me because obviously you're not serious. Right. Okay. So that happens. Okay. And then (laughs) other things are going on in Vernon's life. He's, like I said, very family-oriented person. He loves his family. He does anything for them. One of his sons, Chad... Uh, was having a rough patch in his marriage. Uh, he separated from his then wife and um, she had two children or they had two children. And because the family was still so tight knit, Jill, Chad's now ex-wife and would be Vernon's ex-daughter-in-law was, she was having a rough go at life. She just got separated. She has two kids. She needs a job now And so Vernon hired her to work in the office. So she started working in the office and I don't know to what capacity, but she was working there and um, she was getting back on her feet. He also helped her out with some rent payments and he also helped her out with some car payments because those are just the kinds of things that you need to get back on your feet, et cetera. So obviously you can tell that at this point, this guy has a heart of gold. He's helping someone because he wants his grandkids to be in a safe place and have a roof over their head. So that woman's name is Jill Taylor. On the unfateful day of May 25th, 2013, um, his other daughter-in-law calls him, I believe, the day before May 25th and says, Hey, Vernon, I'm going to this nursery. I'm picking up a bunch of plants and stuff. Do you mind if I um, use your truck or can you come help me and pick up this stuff? He goes, well, I'm going to be in that area tomorrow anyway because I'll be showing a house in Kawichi, Washington. So why don't I just meet you there after I show this house? Mm -hmm. So she goes to the nursery. She picks out all her stuff. I can only assume it's big stuff or just a lot of stuff because she needed a truck. And she said she waited. He's not showing up. Calls him, not picking up. Very unlike him. Yeah. Everyone that knows him, this man lives by his phone. Yeah. Because that's his business. Right, right, right. That's how he talks to contacts. That's how he talks to potential clients. And so she's like, well, that's weird. Vernon usually 
would would never stand me up. Right. Would never stand anyone up. Where is he? So she packs what she can in her SUV and she goes home because she's trying to call him and doesn't think much of it. And then he's supposed to be back at the office now. Even if he was to help his daughter-in-law with the nursery. He should have been back. He should have been back by now. But they, of course, know what house he's showing. So one of his associates, Javier, um, he tries calling him, goes straight to voicemail. He, again, really weird for Vernon because he's usually by his phone. And so he decides, I'm going to go check out the house that he was showing just to make sure that everything's okay. What Javier walks into is horrific. He walks into a gurgling mm. Vernon. No, 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 no. Empty Not the house. gurgling. Oh, my Empty God. Empty house. He just hears moans coming from one of the back bedrooms and empty house, of course, no furnishings, nothing. It's right. a house for sale. And he finds Vernon laying on the ground in a pool of blood, completely beaten, and his throat slashed. Oh, 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 oh. Have I ever told you my irrational fear of getting my jugular oh, vein cut? God. No, but that, I'm, that's anyone's fear. No, it's God. like, it's like oh, truly God. like, oh. So... Javier calls 911, of course. They're there within, there's a cop that shows up to the scene first, right off the bat. And the footage on this is one of like the body cam part, footage. Body cam footage. Oh my God, there's body yes, cam footage? Yes. Holy moly. And I'll have to show you this. Um, they, they blur out, of course, the, the graphic things, but the, the idea of him walking into a very empty house trying to figure out what the hell's happening. And there's very little evidence because unlike a full furnished house, there's nothing thrown around. There's nothing disheveled. All you see is a body laying on the freaking ground. Right. In a pool of blood. So, of course, he's trying to figure out what's happening. He only sees the man on the ground, Vernon, and he sees Javier, who's the one that called 911. And they... They get him, you know, in the paramedics, they rush him out to the hospital, etc. So like I said, he's laying on the ground. So that's the only evidence there is. The blood on the ground, a couple stains on the wall for the room that he was in. And that's it. That's it. There's no other evidence. The house is completely empty. No trail, no nothing. Nothing. And his truck is outside. In his truck, they find his wallet, his keys... But no phone. And he doesn't have his phone. And he doesn't have his phone on his body, in his pocket or whatever. He doesn't have it. So the phone is missing. They, of course, have to rule out the person that called 911 because he's the only one that was there. And he explains, like, hey, no, I am one of his associates. I'm a realtor just like him. And we knew that he was going to be here. He wasn't responding. So I came to check out on him. I found him like this. So very quickly they rule out it wasn't Javier. And then they have to start looking into, like, where is his phone? Because everyone in the family that we've contacted is saying, you need to find that phone because it had to have been with him. Whoever has it has to know something or was there. We killed him. So they, because of the circumstances, because they had literally no information to go off of, they subpoena the records for the phone calls mm -hmm. within one day. Oh, wow. Very, very quickly. I didn't even know that was possible. Right. Apparently, it has to be extreme circumstances, which this was. 
at this point, is he alive? Vernon is still alive. Okay. Yep. Hanging on. By a thread. By a thread, he's comatose. Okay. okay. So he can't talk. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can't say who was what, who did what. So they subpoena the records for his cell phone, and they very quickly find that, as far as the timeline goes, there was only one number that called him right before the time that he was supposed to be there, mm-hmm. or when the attack must have happened. And they reverse search that phone, and they also have the ping locations of the phone calls, too. Oh, wow. Okay. So... They see that the phone pinged off a couple miles off of the house where he was at in Koichi. And this was a good, you know, 20-minute drive from Yakima. So it's it's a bit. It's not like you can mm-hmm. say you were in Yakima and you called it and it would have pinged off there. The phone came back registered to Adriana Martinez. So now they're like, okay, who's Adriana Martinez? Was she the person that was just going to come see this house? Who, how is she involved Mm -hmm. in all this? They track her down. She is living in a motel called the Sunshine Motel in Yakima, Washington, with her and her three kids. And they, of course, ask her to come in. Hey, we've got some questions for you. And they sit her down. She seems very calm. She says she doesn't know anything. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Ma'am, have you been to Koichi? And she said, well, yeah, a couple years ago. And the detective was right off the bat, hit her with, well, your number says you were there. Your phone number pinged off a tower in Koichi on Sunday. So do you want to check your story? Yeah. Do you want to tell us again? You want to try that again? Yeah. Because we have it right here. One more time. We have it right here. Like, literally showed her the piece of paper. Yeah. And say, like, this evidence says that you were right there that day, minutes before he would have been attacked. So, do you know Vern Holbrook? Well, you know, uh, no. And so she keeps going. <laughs> she keeps going the denial route. Uh, but they very quickly, she folded quickly. Very quickly. So, here's what she tells the detectives. The first story, anyway. She tells them, yep, I contact Vern Holbrook because I wanted to sell a trailer. I wanted to know how that process went. I called him and he told me he was too busy that we would have to meet another day. And they're like, no, no, no. Try again. One more time. One more time. (laughs) Let's go through this one more time. And then, so eventually they get her to admit that she did call Vern Holbrook. And that her and her boyfriend were there. And then meet him there. Oh, who's her boyfriend? So her boyfriend is Luis Gomez Monges. Not who I thought it was going to be. Nope. Thought you were going to be like, her boyfriend is Daniel. Daniel. (laughs) So they're like, okay, so what happened? And And she said that they went in to see the house and that they, that he, sorry, that Luis started attacking Vern in one of the back bedrooms she couldn't stand the sight of it so she walked back out to her kids in the th- her three kids oh, in the car oh no so they're like okay wait hold on try that again <laughs> there's a lot of holes in that story what do you mean and so by the time that they were you know by the end of her interrogation they got footage from the motel that she was staying at mm-hmm. that shows that she put her three kids in the car 
that Luis was picking her up from the motel. And that's from, from that point, they went over to the house that Vern Holbrook was attacked in. And they started asking her, like, okay, well, why? Right? We all want to know why. Was this just a deal gone wrong? Like, mm-hmm. were you guys, what was Motive. going on? Yeah. Right. And she breaks down super fast. Same interview. And she tells them, no, well, we were hired to kill him. He's like, by who? By Daniel. So Daniel reached out to them via Jill because Daniel... Who is Jill again? His ex-daughter-in-law that he got her a job and was supporting her. Okay, got it. Jill and Daniel had started to date. Ew. And Vern, of course, was not very happy with that because she's basically sleeping with the enemy. Because he's not pulling through on his end of the deal. Right. And he's ruining his retirement plans. Right. (laughs) And Jill's not very happy because at that point, when he found out that they started to date, he pulled back on all the assistance, financial assistance, that he was giving her on top of already giving her a job. Uh, Times were rough. It was 2008. He's like, I'm cutting back the rent. I'm cutting back, like, the, the, the car payments and stuff. So Jill is the one who found Adriana and Louise. Adriana had recently been evicted from her house. Mm-hmm. I don't know how exactly she knew her, but she did. She knew that she was a mother of three that had recently been evicted, and that's why she was living at the Sunshine Motel. This feels like horrible bosses where they just like oh, hire awful. somebody off of the dark web. And- yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. So she knew Adriana, and... Because she was staying at the Sunshine Motel, she saw an inn. Like, you're down on your luck. How about some money? So they hired Luis and Adriana to take out this hit on Vern for $10,000. Plus another $2,000 bonus if when the job is done. Another $2,000 or uh-huh. $10,000? $2,000. So $12,000 altogether. Meanwhile, while they were get you far. while they were planning all this, Daniel and Adriana were texting each other, and their code word for the actual hit or for the attack was to go shopping. So Daniel would ask Adriana, like, "Hey, are you ready to go shopping on Saturday?" And she goes, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna go shopping, but I think I'm gonna need more money." And so on the day of, he's like, "Are you going shopping today?" Yeah. And then after it was done, I'm done shopping. Super weird. But definitely their code word for the actual murder. Murder. Yeah, they use shopping. Fuckers. They also found surveillance footage from Sunshine Motel because they went down to the motel like, hey, you know, what do you know about Adriana? What do you know about Luis? And they're like, well, it's kind of weird. We see this blonde man come in with Adriana every once in a while to pay up her rent here at the Sunshine Motel. So not only had he was he going to pay them $12,000, he also was paying their stay at the motel meanwhile. Mm-hmm. And the I guess their motive, Adriana and Luis's, was obviously Adriana was down on her luck and she had three kids to feed and whatnot. But Luis was also on the verge of being deported, so they kind of needed money for 
the legal stuff behind that. Mm-hmm. Listen, buddy, if you were worried about legal, you fucked up. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, one way to con- guarantee yeah. that this isn't going to work mm-hmm. out for you. So they eventually arrested Luis right, like, uh, two days afterwards, I believe. They found him at a casino, and they found a potential weapon in his ha- in his car, in the trunk of his car. It was a box cutter, mm-hmm. and they took that in. It looked like it had red stains on it. And unfortunately, it came back that that wasn't the actual murder weapon. Mm. So what the detectives had to do... Wait, so Vernon is dead at this point? No. Oh, my God. Okay. No. You said murder weapon, and I was like, Oh, dead. I'm sorry. Attack weapon. Weapon. Weapon? Yeah. Attack weapon. <laughs> attack weapon? This is an attack weapon. <laughs> this is a non-attack weapon. Non-attack weapon. <laughs> the detectives had to find a different way of getting everyone either to confess or to turn on each other. Mm. So they went the latter and they decided that they weren't going to charge Adriana and Jill as heavily as the actual person that did the attack and the person that did the hiring of the attack if they would turn on them so i mean i think they called it what's called a sweetheart deal like Mm -hmm. you're gonna get away free if you turn into a witness instead of a suspect so jill confessed that when she was mad at vernon she actually thought about poisoning him but never could actually go through with it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they started discussing hiring a hitman. You know what's hilarious? The most common way that women try and kill somebody is through poisoning. She's like, let me be classic textbook. Yeah, because they're soft kills. Yeah. They prefer that. Like, we're not women, but, you know, the murdery kind. (laughs) They're going to prefer soft kills. Listen, I'm only one more (laughs) head injury away. So they decided to use Adriana and Jill to turn on these two. And, of course, Adriana just spilled everything. She was just like, yep, this was the deal. We needed the money. We decided to do it. He was paying for our motel. Like, it seemed like a good enough deal. I'm indebted to him at this point because he's paying for our stay at the, at the, hotel, at the motel. So she said that they, they set up the meet with Vernon to go to the house. Her three kids were still in the car. They started walking around the house as if they were interested buyers. And then once they were in the furthest back bedroom, Louise just first just struck him. She's not sure with what. She would never say. Of course, Louise is saying he never did anything. Mm. Um, And then she said that as soon as the first blown was given, that she hightailed it out of there and then just went and sat in the car with her kids until he came out. I cannot believe she brought her kids along to this. They were just sitting and they were all under the age of eight. So they're not even teenagers or you know tweeners But old enough to remember. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? My gosh. So she waited out. She waited in the car with her kids and then when he came out they um, covered in blood. He had the cell phone and they destroyed it or broke it, and then they just, like, threw it out the window uh, on their way back to Yakima. That's what she's saying happened. And then as far as Luis, I just read one of his appeals. His latest appeal says that he didn't actually commit any attack, that it was all Adriana that did it. So, obviously, they're throwing the... Ball yeah. back and forth there about who did what. Yeah. Uh, I think... Seems like you both were involved. Right. 
Um, unfortunately, eight months after, on January 26, 2014, Vernon did pass as a result of his injuries. Oh. Um, he was in a vegetative state. He yeah. wasn't going to recover. Before he passed, though, he was at a stable enough point where I th- believe they spent Christmas together. They took him home mm-hmm. um, and just made sure he was comfortable. But everyone, On hospice. Yeah. But yeah. everyone had a moment with him before That's nice. um, he actually passed. But um, at that point, the trial had not been completed, of course. Ultimately. Did Daniel get charges on all of this? Yes. Okay. Yes, he did. Okay. So because they got Adriana and Jill to turn on these two or to become witnesses to these two. And, you know, Jill implied that Daniel was the one that hired. And Adriana said that he was the one that actually did the attack. They both received guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. And Luis Gomez. Wait, both of who received guilty? Luis and Daniel. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yes. Okay. So Luis received 28 years. Okay. And Daniel received 34 years. Okay. I don't know why the difference. It's interesting. Um, It's always interesting to me, the states that opt to, like, give, like, you know, a 20-year sentence for murder, whereas other ones are like, you get life with no parole. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't know, it's weird. So, and then Adriana was sentenced to 365 days for rendering assistance to a criminal act. Mm. Yeah. So that she got Maybe she should get charges for, you know, exposing her children to a murder's That's plot. That's what but I was thinking. Three little kids. That has to be like some type of child endangerment, right? You'd think so. And then, sorry, Adriana got 365 days, and then Jill got what? Jill got nothing. Wow. Jill got completely off. So you can hire somebody to kill your ex-father-in-law and... Turn on them. Get away with it? Turn on the hirer of the hitman and get away with it. Absolutely. That's what it sounds like. The family, of course, Vernon's family, was not too keen on the idea of letting these two women off very easily. I would agree. But the prosecution uh, and the DA, you know, laid out the whole plan like, hey, listen, this is our best bet because they don't have the murder weapon. Um, They don't have anyone confessing to it. Yeah. Um, Not that it's circumstantial, but it's circumstantial. Yeah, it's literally a he said, she said story. right. Because literally between Adriana and Luis, it's he said, she said. It's kind of like the Carla Homolka and... Right. uh, Paul? Bizarro. Not Bizarro. <laughs> Bernardo. 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 I was just trying to remember if Paul was right. Was like Bizarro. Wow. My brain just totally blanked out they there. Where they just, yeah, they were him. like, mm-hmm. uh, we made a deal with the devil to get mm-hmm. him, but then they found out that she was like more involved than probably should have done more time. And meanwhile, she's out just like volunteering at her kid's school. Right. So at least the these arrests or the because they were able to get the call records so, so quickly afterwards, mm-hmm. they were able to track down Adriana and get her to talk. Mm-hmm. The appeal for Luis, it said that the day that they went knocking at the Sunshine Motel to talk to Adriana, like, he even encouraged her to go talk because he's like, well, you didn't do anything. So I'm like, so which one is it? Hmm. Which one is it? Does she do it all or does she do nothing? Yeah, make up your mind, sir. Right. And that was in his appeal. So I was like, do they realize what they just said there? Like, 
You can't have it both ways. Good lawyering. Right. I'm like, you can't. So that is the case of Vernon Holbrook. Obviously, it was because Yakima. It's not a small town, but I think it was smaller and and it's tight-knit, you know, as it was back then. But it's... uh, Murder for Hire is always an interesting story. It is. So... Be, for the life insurance or the life policy, the key man life policy, his kids, I believe, ended up settling out of court for that policy because it's still paid. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's some clause in there where it's like, if it's murder. Oh, 100%. That's you, in most life insurance policies. Right. That if it's like a suicide or a result of like some type of suspicious investigation or right. something like that, then they don't pay out. Right. So, I mean insurance policies eventually they got some oh man i want to say it was like 330 something thousand dollars so it was like very small compared to the actual policy like a fourth of it so they didn't of course money is not going to solve anything but, no it um, never does and and i don't know if the the realty company is called aspen realty still stands or not i'm sure probably someone kept it going but i'm not sure what happened yeah. to that so yeah, I. What is it? Murder for hire is just fucking crazy. It's also such a sloppy idea because you're oh, bringing yeah. like okay. So think about it. If Jill had just gone through with her poisoning or whatever, then you wouldn't Who have it? what's her face here getting ready to right. fold like a card table. Yep. The more people you add to it. Yeah. The more likely someone's gonna leak. A hundred percent. And they don't owe you anything. Exactly. Exactly. So there so two days after the attack, uh, they were given twelve thousand dollars and Adriana says she gave it to Luis to handle. And he took it to the casino. It probably that's, that's where they found him. Like. That's where yeah. they found him. So yeah, that's probably what he ended up doing with it. But so don't just so. like hand over all of your money to a man oh, He didn't get deported, he got to stay in the country for another twenty eight years though. Oh, look, silver lining. Yeah, good job, Luis. I just, like, the audacity to me where she yeah. was, like, arranging $12,000 so her kids wouldn't have to live in a hotel oh anymore, and she just, like, handed it off to a guy. She's like, here you go. Yeah. That's the part that upsets me. I'm like, what kind of self-respecting woman just hands over her yeah. hard-earned money? <laughs> yep. Hard-earned money. <laughs> $12,000. Yeah. And this, uh, and Vern at the time, he was 78 years old, but he was still chugging along like a champ. Like he was working like every, every article, like the first line that you'll read is Vern Holbrook was 78 years old, but he still works 60 hour weeks. Like oh my this, gosh. he was putting in work, you know, he, like he's, everyone said he lived by his phone and how that's you, what he did all day long. How do you have that kind of energy? I don't know. I'm too tired for that already, know. and I'm much younger. Know, right? I'm over here like, it's it's 8 o'clock. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. that's the story. It t- took me through a lot of loops because I was like, yeah. did, did she do it? No. Oh, wait. The boyfriend did it. Oh, yeah, wait, the no. whole time I was like, Daniel They know Daniel. <laughs> and wait, Daniel and Jill? Like, it's, I'm not it's quite. I, my game is shaken since the Tim Hennis episode. <laughs> and everybody trying to call me out in the comments about it. But also some of you commiserating with me and being like, right. girl, me too. Like, it caught me off guard as well. Thank you for those of you who support me. It makes my heart so happy. <laughs> I giggled every time I saw those comments. I'm like, oh they're like, me too. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
We got her. Yes. Got them too. Got them. <laughs> the ones that stand in solidarity with me where we were all blindsided. And with you, because you were blindsided too when yeah. you were researching yeah. it. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So that's the story. It was a Patreon suggestion. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. It was a, it was a really good one. I was just like... I don't think we've done a murder for hire. No, I don't think so either. So, this is our first one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys would like to send story suggestions, you can join at patreon.com slash stranger danger podcast. We do have shout outs for Patreons. This, whoop, whoop. this the newest Patreon. Yes. So joining the Patreon recently, we have Katie in the Murder Lovers Club. Oh, hey, Katie. Thank hey, you. Thanks, Katie. And then to continue the name trend, we have Catherine in the Diet Coke Fund, keeping Ooh. us hydrated. Hi, Catherine. Thank you. <laughs> it's the Katie, Catherine, Kathleen, whatever variation of Katie you are name thing <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs> okay. I all think right. that's all we've got. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you.